Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager, your host, and for the next half hour, hopefully we can calmly talk about some issues that hopefully are important to sort out. God is the ultimate truth to all things. We're not. We have a perspective, and God doesn't. When he says something, he says it from the realm of what's absolute. And for us to disagree with him shows that we're fools, not wise people. My name is Dave Wager, and I'm coming to you from the studios here at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute, a place where God has and continues to demonstrate his faithfulness year after year. What a thrill it's been to be a part of these ministries. Lately, I've been thinking about the amount of young people that are disturbed in life, the mental illness problem, the depression, the anger, the suicidal problems, the drug use problems that we have. And you can't help but wonder if you look at it from a little bit of a distance, why people from one of the wealthiest countries in the world, maybe one of the wealthiest countries in history, have so much problem enjoying life and being satisfied with their lot in life to where it becomes a problem that's a major industry, the mental health care problem. I think for me it goes back to the idea of science and people trying to promote what they think over what God has said. See, science is something that is a study, but it's not absolute. What God says is absolute. Science is determinable by observation and identification and descriptions and experimental investigation, but it's not an absolute. Science can have theories that they put together trying to figure out how things came into existence or how things are going to work, or they can use mathematical theories, they can use physics theories, whatever they need to, to try and figure out things that they don't already know. But even in the dictionary, the American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language, the fifth edition, it says that science is the observation, identification, description, experimental investigation, and theoretical explanation of phenomena. So it's very interesting that uh, we can put things together and call them science, but we don't really know how they're going to affect people when they hear them, because people, I think, are logic beings. We, we use our heads to understand that things are the way they are, whether we understand it completely or not. In fact, I think that our minds are very logical, and in that logic, we try and understand a certain amount of things, but get to the point where we realize that we can't, and we accept the ununderstandable as the only thing that we can understand. By that I mean, till this day, I don't understand how all the internet works, how I type something out and it goes somewhere and somebody in another state or country can get it. Even those of you listening to this podcast that are listening to it in a different country, I'm not actually sure how it gets everywhere, but it does. I don't need to understand that. I am sure that somebody understands that, so I trust the fact that somebody else understands it and that it works, and I use it. 
Now, if I thought it was a danger to me, I might stop using it, and it could be. I mean, we don't know what's going on necessarily with all the electronic advances that we've seen in the world. We don't know how many people are being traced, what's being traced in an individual's life. We don't know how much privacy is out there. I understand that I don't understand those things, but if I'm going to be involved with modern technology, there's a certain amount that I just accept. When I look at the world and the universe, I see things that are so complicated to try and understand that my logic has to kick in to try and help me. One thing I know for sure, nothing has come into existence apart from somebody creating it. The world, the universe, did not come into existence with nothing there. There had to be a creator, and there has to be a sustainer. There has to be. No matter what I look at on the desk here in the studio, I see things that are evidently created by somebody with a very specific purpose, and I know that, and I've talked about that before on nighttime. I look at the mug that I drink tea out of. It obviously had somebody create it, design it, and its purpose is to hold liquids so that I can drink out of it. See, that's very obvious. I don't need a science degree to know that. The problem for me is that science has gotten into a realm of mysticism more than science. If I were to sit here and say, since I didn't know who created it or who designed it, it might not have a designer since I don't know that person and it might not have a creator. It might have just gotten together, all the molecules somehow, just randomly somehow got together and formed a mug that got into a package that got delivered to Silver Birch Ranch and is now on my desk. There's not a human being that would believe that. Because God created us with a certain amount of logic. And one of the things that logic allows us to do is use common sense. When you see something, you know that it had a creator. If it had a creator, it had a designer, a design of some kind, and it has a purpose. As I look at the world around me, I sometimes hear people claiming to be scientists, trying to come up with a phenomena, a theoretical explanation of what they would call a phenomena of the world's coming into existence. I saw one on the television news the other night where they were talking about something hitting the earth and and the magma or another planet that was inside the earth bouncing out of it and becoming our moon and That's how that came into existence. And the scientists, they kept using the word the scientists in the studies. The word scientist has lost almost all its credibility in the United States of America because of the fact that we keep using the term to indicate that people have said something that makes no logical sense at all. The universe could not have come from nothing. It could not have just be randomly exploded and then come into existence from randomness. That's not how it could work. And anyone that has a shred of logic will tell us that. The bottom line really is that the only feasible explanation is found in the Bible, where it says in the beginning, God 
God created the heavens and the earth. I get it. What I don't get is how he created it. That part I understand as well. So in not understanding, I begin to understand because of the importance of the logic that God put in my mind. Here's why it's important. Today, as young people go to school and get educated, they're being told that they are really accidental blobs of protoplasm. That somehow they came into existence from all this accidental movement and explosions and whatever it might be. So that in reality, their logic goes to understanding that they have no real purpose in life. Therefore, since they have no real purpose in life, how do you help them with their depression, their anxiety, their thought that they have no real purpose in life? Because those things would be true if the, quote, scientists who believe that everything evolved into where it is today were right about their theories. God gave us enough in the Bible to help us understand how things were created. But he didn't uh, give us too much so that we would be confused by how it happened. God is beyond us. He's beyond our thinking. He's He's beyond time. There are so many things about him we can't understand. But that does not mean he's not God and that he didn't create the world. It means that we're human and objects that are created by God so that God could love us. Therefore, we have this thing called love. We have this thing called choice. And all of it starts to make sense. When you think of the logic again, you're sure that we're not accidents caused by an accidental explosion because everything has a purpose. The criterion for success for anyone in the Bible was that they just would listen to God. Not that they would understand him, but they would listen to him. In Joshua 6.27 it says, So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. The criterion for Joshua's success was that the Lord was with him. Not that he was a brilliant soldier, not that he was a brilliant archer, not that he was brilliant with anything. It's just that he listened to God. The plan for taking down the first walled city in Jericho was something that didn't make any sense to anybody, but he listened to God, and as he did, they became victors of the land that they should have gotten years before. You know, we work hard to be good at something, often ignoring God. This makes no sense. These things would work much better in life and in the next if we prioritize being with God, not ignoring him. Scientists would be far better at their trade because their trade is one of observation, identification, description, experimental investigation, and theoretical explanation of phenomena, they would be much better if they started out with a very simple and logical premise that the earth was created and designed for a purpose, and that people were created and designed with a purpose. This would work much better than saying, no, we're all accidental blobs of protoplasm. We wonder about the future. We worry about it. We try and figure it out. When in reality, God's already there. 
I'm not saying we're going to understand everything about the future, but in reality, God's already in the future. So we can trust him because he loves us. We can't even be accurate if we're trying to plan for the future because we actually have no way to know what the future is going to bring us. The time we spend trying to figure it out would have been spent better if we would spend time just with God and enjoying him. Sometimes all of our plans are just a waste of time because we're planning on the basis of trying to live life the way we think it's going to play out and then the next day something else happens and it doesn't play out that way. I could go to God right today and from the very beginning and know that since he knows what tomorrow is going to bring, he's going to make sure that I'm in the right place doing the right thing at the right time so that whatever comes will work. Now see, once again, if I believe that everything's an accident, if I believe that the associations of mankind are accident, if I believe all people are accidents, then I'm not doing that. I'm trying to take matters in my own hands, but over and over again I'm proven that I can't do that, that it doesn't work. Jesus said that he is the life. This life isn't life in itself. Know that he is the life. And if you want life, you need to obtain it through him. Because without him, you have no life. You only have an existence. See, God created me so that I could be loved by him. So if I ignore him, then I'm ignoring one of the purposes that God gave us. You may say that that... If God did it right, he would have made it so that we had no choice. But then there would be no love. In order for there to be love, there has to be choice. And in order for choice to be real, there has to be real consequences. Otherwise, everything's a farce. And God doesn't work that way. He doesn't work on farces. He created the world. He created the universe. He created everything in it, and he sustains everything and everybody in it. That's important for us to grasp. And not only that, he wants us to live our lives to the fullest that we can. But life comes from him, comes from Jesus, not from our just simple existence. Genesis 2-7, healthy people understand this. Then the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. If you want to know how man got started, he got started because God created him out of the dirt, the dust, the clay of the ground. And God breathed into his nostrils, and that breath from God gave man life. There is no life apart from God. And one day when he tells my breath or your breath to stop, you and I will go back to the dust from the ground. That's how it will happen. For us to think that this is accidental is ridiculous. God created us, and he wants us to have life and life more abundantly now. And one day, this life will be over, and we will be in an eternal setting with God. And those who have placed their trust in Jesus as their Savior, those who have dealt with the sin problem that separated us from God, They will be eternally with God. See, we are special creations. 
Job 33.4, the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. How many verses in the Bible talk about that? Those who actually lived their lives in a way where they understood how to live, understood that their breath and their life and their sustenance come from God. Today we live in a world where the scientists and the teachers and and the proud, arrogant, educated people want to somehow say that they know more than God's revealed. They can't. There's no way that we can understand the immensity of God because we're not God. There's something in every human being that wants to be honored and elevated. That's Satan's problem, too. He wants to be honored and elevated above God. But there's no possible way, because God is the creator, the sustainer, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. That's it. I'm just Dave. He's God. Job understood that the Spirit of God made him, and that the breath of the Almighty gives him life. If you really want to see somebody who understood how to live, Job is one of those. He lived the life the way that he should, and in the middle of all that, he became a target of the evil one. And the book of Job is well worth your read to understand the battle that ensued between God and Satan, with you and I as the prize. But Job understood, and I need to understand. In Acts 17.25, it says, Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. Another reference to Jesus and how he doesn't need people. He created people. He created us and he gives to all people what? Life and breath and all things. So a science that comes and says anything other than that is telling a lie. And whenever we tell lies, there are consequences to it. So there are people today that do not believe that God gives life, breath, and all things. And they're miserable people. Because they keep trying to find an answer. And since they can't find it, they make one up. And whenever you make an answer up, you find out down the road that that made-up answer isn't going to satisfy you. God doesn't need Dave Wager. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need anybody else. Why? Because he's the one that existed before anybody else did. And before we existed, before the earth existed, before anything existed, he was. So he's not dependent on any of those things for his existence. He's not dependent upon any of those things to give him glory because. That can happen in many ways. But we have the privilege of trusting him. And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that without faith, it's impossible to please him because faith allows us to point to who he is and not understand everything about him. He's not served by human hands. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. He wants us. He wants us first and foremost to know that he created us to love, 
He created us with purpose. He created us so that he could demonstrate his love to us for eternity. He gives us his mercy by never giving us what we deserve if we have our trust in his son, Jesus. He gives us grace, giving us far more than we could ever deserve. Nehemiah 9.6 says, You alone are Lord. You have made the heavens, the heaven of heavens with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to all of them, and the heavenly host bows down before you. In the book of Nehemiah, we understand the acknowledgement that God is the creator of what? Of all things. Once again, you look at modern society, and we keep trying to push God right out of it. The earth happened by accident, the evolutionary process, the, the idea that everything that we see is an accident. And then we try and cure the mind of a young person who feels purposeless and accidental in life. There's no way to do that. The way that we can have a chance to be healthy is by knowing that God has loved us, has a plan for us, and created us the way that he wants us to be. There are no accidents. God doesn't do accidents. We have to understand the creator and sustainer of all life is the only one that's the creator and sustainer of life. When we come to him, we can have that. Now, some might be saying, well, you know, there's a lot of causes of depression and anxiety and anger, and that could be. But that doesn't mean that we ignore the easiest solution to most people's problems. And the easiest solution to most people's problem is to quit ignoring the fact that there is a God, that he created us, that he loves us, that he is the creator and sustainer of life. And if we're going to be okay, we live in the context of the way he made things. And every time we move outside the context of reality and try and claim a new reality, we're going to get miserable because we were never made to go there. So many times I tell kids that they need to focus on how they're made. For example, you're made to breathe air. Therefore, you can't live at the bottom of a lake. And if you insist on living at the bottom of a lake, you're going to die. Unless you have a way to breathe air down there for the rest of your life. You need to eat food. If you refuse to eat food anymore in your life, you're going to die because you're made to eat food. See, there are certain things in life that God made you to do. That's the norm. And if you're going to be healthy, you do them the way you were made to be. That's what science used to be. They used to try and figure out how are we made and how do we respond to things so that we can be healthy people. Not how can we prove that there is no God, which seems to be the agenda of a lot of modern science. I used to love science when I was young. I don't anymore. I keep thinking they have an agenda out there somewhere to try and twist our minds away from God. As I would echo with Nehemiah, you are Lord. You have made the heavens, the heaven and the heavens with their host, the earth and all that's on it, the seas and all that's in them. You give life to all of them. And the heavenly host bows down before you. 
First Timothy 6.13, I charge you in the presence of God, comma, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who testifies the good confession before Pontius Pilate. John 1.3-4, all things came to being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was in the light of men. Job 10.12, you have granted me life and loving kindness, and your care has preserved my spirit. Jeremiah 38.16, but King Zedekiah swore to Jeremiah in secret, saying, As the Lord lives who made this life for us, surely I will not put you to death, nor will I give you over to the hand of these men who are seeking your life. In Deuteronomy 32:39 it says, "See now that I, I am he, and there is no god beside me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded, and it is I who heal, and there is no one who can deliver you from my hand." That would be a very powerful verse for those who love science and trying to figure out things to quote every day. Let me read it again, Deuteronomy 32:39. See now that I am he, and there is no God beside me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded, and it is I who heal, and there is no one who can deliver from my hand. God has a plan and a purpose. To be one who loves God and walks with God is the only wise position to be in. Those who keep trying to prove that God doesn't exist are foolish at best. 1 Samuel 2.6, the Lord kills and the Lord makes alive. He brings down the shield and raises up. 2 Kings 5.7, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive? that this man is sending word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? But consider now and see how he is seeking a quarrel against me. See, this king, even though he didn't know much, he knew that it is God who gives life and takes life. Psalm 1611, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. We come to God and we realize that he is the one that can give us the answer to the very purposes in life that we seek. We're not the ones who created life. We're the ones who got life from the one who created it. And if we want to know how to live the life that we were given, it makes sense that we go back to the scriptures and see that the God who made us can give us instruction on how we can live and our purpose in life. I have a great purpose in life, and that is to show the world who God is. I get to do it through Silver Birch Ranch and Nicolay Bible Institute and the other ministries that are associated with us. I get to do it here on these podcasts. But the goal is not to promote Dave Wager or Silver Birch Ranch or Nicolay Bible Institute. It's really to show who God is his love for us, and to respond to him, and to walk with him on a day-by-day basis, like sheep walking with a shepherd. We need to be people who stop the silliness of 
modern science talking about how we accidentally came into existence and how nothing really has meaning. Because if we live in that context, then the gender that God gave us doesn't have meaning. The families that God gave us doesn't have meaning. The churches don't have meaning. Everything's just made up at that point because everything's an accident. But if God is the creator and sustainer of life, and I think everyone that looks at the world carefully will come to that conclusion, then he didn't do it by accident, and there's great purpose in all the things that he's created. And we need to live in the context of that creation or be foolishly out of touch with reality for all of our lives. Well, I hear our music ending our time together tonight. I pray that you'll enjoy the fact that God created you, loves you, has a plan for you, and that you'll do everything you can to walk with him day by day and listen to what he says. For tonight, that's all we've got. I do wish you the peace that comes from knowing God, the peace that passes all understanding. And if you're struggling with depression, anxiety, a feeling of worthlessness, I encourage you to take a look at what God says about your life, not what the world says. Thanks for spending the last half hour with me. Good night.